ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯಣಂ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತೌ ವಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತೌ ಪುನಃ ಪುನಃ ಈಶ್ವರೋ ಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇತಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾಗಿನೇ ವ್ಯೋಮ ಬದ್ವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಾಮೂರ್ತ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌ ಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನ್ನವಧೀತಮಸ್ತುಮಾವಿಷಾವಹೈ ನಮಸ್ತೆ ಅಂಡ್ ವೆಲ್ಕಮ್ ಟು ಫಾರ್ ಒನ್ ಮಂತ್ ವಿಲ್ ಬಿ ಸ್ಟಡಿಂಗ್ ಟೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಸೊ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಗೋಯಿಂಗ್ ಟು ರಿಕ್ವೈರ್ ಸಮ್ ತಿಕ್ಷಾ ಸಮ್ ಸ್ಟೇಯಿಂಗ್ ಪವರ್ ಫಾರ್ ದಿಸ್ ಹೋಲ್ ಮಂತ್ ತಿಕ್ಷಾ ಇನ್ ಇಂಗ್ಲಿಷ್ ಇಸ್ ವಾಟ್ hanging in there ah that is <laughs> that is the english translation of the word titiksha so the ability to hang you know without uh, uh, dropping off that is something which is one of the qualifications at, uh, to study anything you know whether it is vedanta or not vedanta doesn't matter so the uh, ability to hang in there not get discouraged and to just be with the program you know to to until the text finishes so that is something which is nice to cultivate so that is something we'll have you know uh, we will keep uh, we will take some double helpings of titiksha during this month so this is uh, uh, one chapter from the text called panchadashi you have all downloaded the text i hope so this is a text called panchadashi panchadashi means she who has 15 chapters ha <laughs> panchadasha 15 panchadashi the 15 chaptered one and it is feminine why because the knowledge of uh, the knowledge of anything whether it is aparavidya meaning relative knowledge different branches of knowledge or it is paravidya the knowledge of the self the ultimate knowledge knowing which there is nothing more to want or to know it is always coded as feminine ha ah, shruti feminine and you know and the knowledge of the fine arts and other branches of knowledge saraswati feminine so therefore anything that gives knowledge is you know feminine ha ah. because you see this uh, you know this knowledge uh, of the self uh, has to have you know the qualities when it when this knowledge is given you know the giver of this knowledge whether it's the upanishads or whether it is a, a teacher wielding the upanishads you know must have you know command of the Uh, feminine qualities whether the guru is in a male body or a female body this is not what we are talking about we are talking of the feminine qualities which are described in the bhagavad gita as dhriti kshama 
you know, smriti, all these things, you know, which, uh, you know, dhriti is the, the courage and kshama is accommodation, in other words, compassion, all these things should be there, patience should be there, compassion should be there, and what else should be there? There should be the, uh, above all, there should be an ability, because this knowledge is very different from other knowledges. You know, other in this is this knowledge is extremely different because you know it is something connected to that which is very intimate to yourself, which is what, which is you. And if you go and study microbiology, you know, then it is not so intimate. You can objectify that. You can look at it as an object of your understanding. But here, what is there? You know. It is you, it is your, the knowledge of yourself alone, it is nothing other than you. And so if it is nothing other than you, then if it is, you know, somebody talking to you about yourself, you know, you can see the reasons why this would be a little scary. And, you know, even though one is thrilled to get to know more of oneself, the fact that, you know, one has to go to a teacher, someone other than oneself to know about oneself, who could be a stranger, who could be, you know, uh, whatever, you know, somebody you don't know, and who could be someone that you have to learn to trust, you don't yet trust. All these could make the knowledge very scary. Plus, there is also one's own resistance to the knowledge. Why? Because the knowledge uh, says something wonderful. The knowledge says that you are the one with the creator of the universe. You are the Lord. There is nothing more than that. And you are limitless. You are whole. You are complete. Purna. And, you, and besides, you are free of sorrow. You are free of kama, krodha and all kinds of negative emotions, you are free of being a desiring person and you are free of all kinds of, you know, anger, raga, dvesha, you know, some kind of complex desires which, you know, turn into anger, etc. You are naturally free of that. In fact, you are free of all wants and this is what the teaching says, you are limitless, you are whole. And who doesn't want to be whole? Huh? Everybody wants to be whole. And even though this knowledge is itself, you know, so comforting to, and this is knowledge is this, one is yearning for this knowledge. It's still not easy to submit to the knowledge, which is what the knowledge calls you to do. The knowledge calls you to submit yourself. Yourself here doesn't mean self as Satchidananda. <laughs> yourself here means what? You know, the uh, ahankara. Yeah. So the ahankara means what? The the uh, I notion and often called as ego. So the E has to go and become one with the Lord. And so this ahankara has to submit to this teaching and the ahankara is a determined, <laughs> to put it lightly, and stubborn, <laughs> Fellow, hmm, very determined and very stubborn and determined what? Determined to 
cling to a certain notion of itself which makes it feel safe. Ah, I am so and so. Nothing is wrong with me. You know, I am, this is how I have led my life and this is how I am going to lead my life for the next how many ever years I am alive and this is who is connected to me and you over there, I don't know you, you know, you are not in my group and this is who is close to me and that one I don't like and this one I'm kind of neutral, right? Because I don't know them <laughs> very well. As soon as I know them a little more, they will go into either this side of people that are liked and close to me or they will go on that side, people I shun. Ah, this is what the whole thing is. And so, these, you know, these, this ahankara, you know, what is that, pulled this way and that way by the force of the ragadveshas, the binding desires, is now, you know, being exposed to this knowledge, you are the whole. You can see how tricky that is. Ah. You can see how the ahankara feels complacent and safe in a way, in its small little world. It loves the song. It's a small world after all and it takes it literally. Yeah, just that chorus, nothing else. It's, it's my small world with my people in it and my possessions and my books and my, you know, food and my, you know, whatever I'm drinking, my beverage, my food, my clothes, my body, my house, you know, my writings, my contributions and, you know, and let's not forget my money. <laughs> so this is the ahankara. It feels safe and it has carved for itself a little haven where it is, you know, it is the king. Uh, for how long? Until it looks around and sees another ahankara having more things than itself. Then it starts to cry. Oh, they are much more accomplished than me. And then they are all, you know, this one has more things than me. And that one has more, you know, uh, is better uh, speaker than me. The other one is a better writer than me. So this whole Taratamya, this comparative, you know, this disease of comparison, in relation to the other jivas, you know, make the, uh, you know, ahankara insecure despite the fact that it has worked so hard, life after life, to shore up a certain semblance of security. And that security is like a well-made uh, cookie with lot of butter. It crumbles in an instant. And that is why the ahankara goes to the teacher and begs for Vedanta. Adhihi bhagavo brahma. Oh, revered one, please teach me about Brahman, which I hear is the truth of myself. Adhihi, you know, brahma vidyam varishtham. And, you know, uh, you know, this most exalted knowledge, tell me, Tell me about this and, you know, tell me how to see that I am the whole. And then, you know, this ahankara is, goes to the teacher all right. 
but you know it is the ahankara is that which is naturally split ha huh? this is what the whole thing is and this split in the ahankara is the focus of this chapter ha <laughs> uh, so the ahankara is naturally split and what is the split here the one that is in tandem with with, with the the world of names and forms in other words ishvara srishti ha the one that is yearning for this knowledge the adult that has you know wanted this knowledge for life after life after life and has yet somehow got derailed because of what ragadveshas because of you know overdose of various things has got kind of derailed and this one is you know this is the one that goes to the teacher for knowledge and since this ahankara is split and the split ahankara belongs to the same body and my mind sense complex you know the as uh, the, which is the the split the split here is between the adult and the one that is feeling a sense of insecurity that is the adult the one who is aware that this insecur- insecurity can be remedied and turned around by knowledge and what is the other one the other one is the one that has showed for itself you know some semblance of security and doesn't want to let it go security blanky what is that inner child this is the inner child so then so the outer adult and <laughs> the outer adult means the one who behaves outwardly like an adult you know that ahankara who knows okay you know i, I think i should not lose my cool i think i should do this i think i should do that whatever it's you know going about its day the, you know and then the inner child the storehouse of various emotions from from you know unresolved issues of the childhood he is you know he is holding on to its small possessions just like a toddler a baby you know is holding on to the security blankie so the security blankie of the ahankara includes all the things we have already discussed my people my things my money my you know my job Uh, my paycheck my spouse my children whatever it is my body all these identifications in you know, which the ahankara has showed up in order to feel better about itself uh, and so both of them are going to the teacher correct <laughs> and then what so then you know the the teacher has to be extremely patient you know and do two things one is to pacify the child the inner child while teaching the adult that itself is a big feat and then what and then teach the adult to teach the child ha ah. <laughs> that's what the whole thing that is the next thing teach the adult to parent this inner child and the inner child doesn't go away anywhere it is integrated into the adult it stops you know clamoring for attention because it then 
sort of calms down and go you know it gets the attention it needs and that attention is given by the adult the adult here who has now imbibed the teaching you know turns to the the split in the ahankara and heals it by loving it up this is how it is so you see how difficult the job of the vedanta teacher is huh and that's why you know it's like you know it's like just like feeding a small child not in america in america we have a strange system where you put the child in in jail you you strap the child to a chair a strange looking chair what is it called high chair and then you you know and the child is captive and then you shove things into its mouth not in india <laughs> in india the young mother gets a, of a toddler gets a lot of exercise because the child is taken outdoors and asked to you know one two year old child is running around you know picking up something looking at something what not and the mother has the dal and rice mixed up and then goes be, runs behind the child and then distracts the child a little bit look at this look at the crow what is it doing look at the birdie oh is that you know look at the man on the bicycle look at this person carrying a pot over the head you know and then the child says where what and then you know and the mother just feeds the child and who is this child the child who is you know determined uh, to play and not eat similarly this ahankara you know is a very complicated creature <laughs> yeah just like this child doesn't you know wants to is hungry for the knowledge but doesn't want to eat or cannot assimilate the knowledge due to uh, lack of adhikaritvam or previously you know existent obstacles such as raga dvesha etc and so you, you know that's why i said the knowledge is feminine it's all a feminine touch to the whole thing you know it's not like you are the whole get up walk away what are you waiting for i already told you you are the whole <laughs> that approach doesn't work you know you have to you have to, you, one has to that the teacher of vedanta has to have you know compassion just like the shruti has to imbibe the compassion from the shruti and and that compassion from the shruti is imbibed from one's own teacher like pujya swami ji swami dayananda ji i mean he was the living embodiment of compassion i mean you had to just spend 5 minutes with him to see that this you know you didn't need to spend a whole lifetime with him you could see in 5 minutes that you know uh, that you could see his compassion transforming everything around him and that compassion is a product of vairagya all these are there so vairagya compassion and you know so it's like like that for these reasons accommodation patience these are all qualities of a functional mother huh. and so the shruti is like adi shankara says very helpfully he tells us sahasra matravat hitaishini so imagine having one functional mother who is capable of accommodation and unconditional love without manipulation and without trying to put herself forward 
she's just there for the child and she allows the child to explore and grow at its own pace imagine one mother like that and multiply that by the thousand and that is you know vedanta that is why it is feminine and that is why the text called panchadashi is in the feminine gender so this is the 15 chaptered one she who has 15 chapters same thing with bhagavad gita she has 18 chapters and she is known in the dhyana shloka as ashtadash ashtadashadhyayini ashtadashadhyayini the one who has 18 adhyayas chapters you know amrita varshini amrita varshini means she you know showers the nectar of self knowledge upon the hungry sadhakas so that's why the knowledge is feminine because we are dealing with a very difficult problem of resistance and of you know of uh, you know not uh, uh, the of the inability to understand of severe resistance and you know and habitual orientations so that's why it is called panchadashi now some few things we should know about this text because some marvelous text it was composed in the medieval times the 13th and 14th centuries by one swami vidyaranya and he was from karnataka and uh, you know amazing mind and his uh, purvashrama name uh, was madhava and it is said that he had a brother both you know both he and his brother sagana were brilliant and they studied the vedas and they became such experts that they wrote commentaries on the veda this was even before he uh, had sanyasa before even he got sanyasa he was writing commentaries on the veda so the sayana bhashya and madhava bhashya they are still famous and uh, so they vedic commentaries and then you know he was uh, one more thing we should know about swami vidyaranya because this will all affect how we read and imbibe the message of this chapter because when we know uh, you know when we can uh, when we see the the caliber and the the uh, and the capacity of the author then we see the uh, uh, how he sheds light on various things we are totally in touch with the modus operandi of this whole you know his 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 whole contribution so he was you know one more thing we need to know about him is that he was right from the beginning he was one of the uh, you know people who was surprisingly a scholar and you can call him now if he were alive now he would be called uh, you know as an activist uh, very few of that especially in vedanta vedanta people are famous uh, for being kind of aloof to the world asanga and you know um, not having just done their sadhana and gained the knowledge after that they don't want to be part of anything and so this is something which is you know which is uh, uh, which we have seen you know they go in a, and hide in a cave or in you know they live in a mountain side and do all this and this is you know 
um, talk very little and all these things are there. And then we have on the other hand activists who plunge themselves for the cause of upliftment of humanity. They do things and you know they, they are the first ones to get arrested if need be and they are the ones to give up whatever is not there. So Swami Vidyaranya was one of the rare people who was both a scholar, of a, a, a one completely endowed with vairagya and a jnani and also an activist, in act, if not an activist, if that is, uh, you know, uh, if that is too strong a word to use, someone who was deeply interested in issues of social justice. Huh. We find that and for this reason, even though he had a lot of vairagya and he was writing commentaries on the Veda, he his heart went out to the people in Karnataka, especially when the Muslim regimes was coming and overtaking the uh, Hindu kingdoms. And so one such king, I forgot his name, you know, committed suicide by jumping into the well because rather than just be defeated and captured by the enemy. So, you know, the whole family jumped in, drowned in the well and, uh, you know, this news was, everybody heard this news and Swami Vidyaranya said at that time he was Madhava and he said that if I can help with this kingdom, get back this kingdom to a level of glory of, uh, you know, of, of Sanatana Dharma, then my life would be very fulfilled and it will help the people. And so saying, he helped establish what, what is now called the Vijayanagar Empire and, uh, you know, he put the kings in place, he chose the kings and he basically managed the kingdom from behind uh, in the form of a prime minister. Without really, I mean, the ruler was there, but he was like a Rajarshi, he was like a Rishi that uh, helped with running the kingdom. And he helped with running the kingdom by staying in the background and helping, you know, uh, dispersing justice and giving suggestions. And so all these, you know, so the Vijayanagar Empire became, you know, the, uh, what's that, became a site of uh, the medieval Hindu Renaissance and is very famous for, you know, for the um, preservation of the Shastras and for the, uh, you know, for, uh, for giving a new life to all the spiritual, you know, uh, texts of the time. And so, and, and the sole person responsible for this was uh, Swami Vidyaranya. And then later, you know, he studied with many, many people, so it's very difficult to know who his guru is. And, uh, you know, and uh, he studied with one uh, Bharati Tirtha, uh, the, uh, you know, the pontiff of the Sringeri Mat, not the current one, whose name is also Bharati Tirtha, but his predecessor. He studied with that, but his Diksha Guru, Sanyasa Guru is one Swami Shankarananda, you know, like disciple, like guru, both his gurus were very, very brilliant. Bharati Tirtha wrote a number of things, including, you know, the second half of Panchadashi, it is said, is authored by Swami Bharati Tirtha, the guru. And we can even, we can imagine what a wonderful collaboration it would be because the whole thing is seamless. So chapters 1 to 6 were written, it is said, 
by Swami Vidyaranya and chapter 7 to 15 in the text um, were written by Swami Bharati Tirtha. You know, I don't know how this collaboration happened. Maybe Swami Vidyaranya took the first six chapters for, uh, you know, for correction and asking the Guru's opinion. But then what happened? Bharati Tirtha loved it so much, he just took it and ran with it. Maybe he just took it and said, let me do the rest and then gave it back to Swami Vidyaranya for editing and, you know, put uh, crossing the T's and dotting the I's and, you know, those kinds of work and to have him pub bring it out, uh, you know, as a uh, pub uh, publish the book. And so this is, uh, this is something which is a very unique collaboration between teacher and disciple. And so now, so now this is one more thing to know is that you know he uh, um, he while he was doing the Vijayanagar Empire he was just doing all that then a thought struck him that he should let all this go and then take to a life of renunciation. Before that he did Gayatri Mantra Mantra Purascharana. Purascharana means repeating the mantra for as many, uh, yeah, where each syllable is repeated for a hundred thousand times. Like for example, Om Namah Shivaya, Shiva, yeah, you know this Panchakshari, five syllables and then each one is repeated for a hundred thousand times and so that means the whole mantra is repeated for five hundred thousand times. And so that is what, you know, uh, and the Gayatri Mantra is 24 syllables and so that 24 into 100,000 times, you know, that is, that is how many uh, times you have to repeat the mantra and that repetition is called Purascharana. And there is a Kim Vadanti. Kim Vadanti means a belief that if, if this Purascharana is done in earnest, Goddess Gayatri will give darshan at the end of this. And so Swami Vidyaranya was winding up his public work and everything. And then he thought, you know, let me do this Purascharana. He did this Purascharana. It went well, you know, without any obstacles after several years of sitting with the Gayatri Japa. Then uh, what happened? He finished the Purascharana, but no Gayatri Devi came. <laughs> no Gayatri Devi gave darshan. And that's when he's, he had it. He said, what is wrong with me? You know, if I am writing these commentaries and I am so, you know, I, it's, I have studied Vedanta with such great gurus and why am I hankering after this darshan, this duality? And I don't want this darshan. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go take sannyasa. So he renounced the world at that time. He got great vairagya. In fact, Gayatri Devi gave him a present by not appearing in front of him. You see, this is what the whole thing is, you know. Because for uh, uh, regular people, when the darshan doesn't happen, it's an inauspicious thing. Huh? But for the Vedantin, when the darshan doesn't happen, it's very auspicious thing because that means that either the knowledge has been assimilated, there is no difference between, you know, the, the darshan and the drashta, the seer and the seen, but or 
the knowledge is yet to be assimilated but in the absence of darshan then one has the one has the awareness that oh why am i looking for darshan so that is what happened to swami vidyaranya and he got his name aranya is one of the last names of the swamis like saraswati you know bharati teertha aranya this is called dashanami the 10 uh, you know we have 10 orders and uh, you know i always miss out whenever i count uh, one or two but we will try that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try so we have bharati teertha aranya sagara puri and then how many is that 1 2 3 4 5 6 saraswati ದಶನಾಮಿ uh one more we have to remember i will uh, look it up and tell you in the next few days so aranya is one order in the in the lineage of uh, uh, you know monastics and so his his name is swami vidya and aranya so together it becomes vidya aranya and the story goes that uh, you know um the when when he took sanyasa when sanyasa was given to him gayatri devi then made an appearance you know and swami vidyaranya who had understood her non the, the reason of her non appearance and taken that to heart told told gayatri devi that i'm not even going to look at you because when i wanted you did not come and that by by not coming you gave, gave me a great present you did a, such a great favor for me and so now i don't need you anymore because i am you know committed to as being established in the truth of myself which i have been learning from my teacher and so you know i'm not even going to look at you but she came and she tapped him on the shoulder and she said well now that i have come don't make my visit you know futile she begged him imagine she begged him and said ask for something and then swami vidyaranya being so kind at heart seeing the poverty ridden you know people where he he happened to be walking in an area full of you know people who didn't have much there you know in the in the not so nice part of town he happened to be walking and he prayed for gold coins to rain in this area where he was and and not only in this area wherever there were people that were poor in the whole kingdom let the gold coins rain and gayatri devi said tathastu and apparently gold coins rained 
and then he also you know being such a pragmatic administrator he made a distinction between the gold coins raining in somebody's backyard courtyard whatever and gold coins raining in public spaces the gold coins raining in public spaces were gathered and given to the treasury of the king for army and for you know protecting the kingdom and for you know um upkeeping the fine arts etc and the gold coins falling in the people's homes they were allowed to keep very nice arrangement and then so even after he became a swami this idea of social justice did not leave him and he wrote uh, you know the panchadashi which is you know which is uh, which i'll talk a little more about a little later but before that he wrote one more book called jeevan mukti vivek uh, jeevan mukti viveka fantastic book you know it's not in poetry it is in prose and you know it's all about what is uh, being liberated while uh, you know while living what is this liberation uh, from sorrow and fear that we are wanting and what is this thing you know what is this what does it mean to have a resolved ahankara without any splits and how does such a person abide in the world and what are the ways in which to you know contemplate in order to assimilate this knowledge all these things are the subject matter of the book and the book stands out because in the first chapter not even in the first chapter in the introduction itself he he you know he puts to rest long standing wars between established scholars who uh, were wondering whether various strata of society can study vedanta and can become sanyasis or not yeah you see even in vedanta one gets stuck one gets stuck to certain hierarchies even though you are dropping even the inner split and the inner hierarchies but somehow one is stuck to the existence and the upkeep of outer social hierarchies jati varna etc all these things and so then and then that also brings into you know brings into the, the thing women yeah and even though the vedas vedanta doesn't make any distinction between men and women you know there was there, there was a rampant uh, belief that women must not be ordained as sanyasis and neither should people from the lower strata of society for reasons best known to these scholars themselves uh, no reason really and swami vidyaranya you know in the first uh, introduction to his work itself said that you know atma does not have a ranking neither does the atma have a gender it doesn't have a gender it doesn't have a ranking and so women are you know fit for this knowledge women are fit to be ordained as are people from various strata of society fit for this knowledge and then if they imbibe this knowledge they are fit for this leading a life of sanyasa this is what the thing is you know because the whole idea of sanyasa is to give up everything including one's identification with the body and the identification with the body along with that comes the identification with the gender and he says to those scholars 
who say that such and such a person, whether it's a woman or whether it is, you know, some person from a different strata of society who, you know, who is not a Brahmana, for example, you know, should not be ordained for those, to those scholars, he put them, you know, he put them to rest by saying that you, you know, the very fact that you are identified with those strata and those bodies shows that you haven't overcome the identification with your own body. Uh, he didn't name them, but he said, those people who are obsessed with other people's bodies and other people's genders have clearly not come to terms with disidentifying consciously from their own bodies and genders very beautifully put and you know and so you see this is some this is a very important contribution to the vedanta shastra and it's an important contribution to you know the the world of the guru parampara where you know women can also be ordained and teach etc etc so this is very you know uh, this is a very fantastic contribution book called jeevan mukti viveka prose and then Panchadashi is a, uh, what is that, is a uh, poetic work. And the Panchadashi is what is called a Prakarana Grantha. Prakarana Grantha. Grantha work. Prakarana means that work which deals thoroughly with certain topics of Vedanta. In uh, deals with Vedanta teaching in a systematic unfoldment. That is what is called Prakarana systematic unfoldment which which delivers the teachings of the Upanishad in a krama, in an orderly kramena, in an orderly fashion. This is what is called Prakarana Grantha. Then we have certain Granthas called uh, Manana Grantha which um, deal with, uh, which, which help in Mananam mentation and which help in the, uh, in, in uh, a, which, which logically give the knowledge so that any questions are answered like that. And usually the Prakarana Granthas are also sometimes Manana Granthas, no problem. But for the sake of distinction, uh, this thing is there. Prakarana Grantha, Manana Grantha, and then finally Nididhyasana Grantha. Nididhyasana Grantha means uh, which immediately puts you in a contemplative space like Adi Shankara's Pratasmarami. You know, Pratasmarami, uh, you know, is a three verses, three stanza shloka which talks about how getting up in the morning, I dwell upon the nature of the Atma, which is of, you know, which is of Satchit Sukhaswarupa, which is all Ananda, which is, you know, Sat and Chit, and, and uh, you know, which lights up the whole universe, etc., etc., self-lit, self-effulgent Atma, I contemplate upon. So, like this, this is what is called a, this is an example of a Nididhyasana Grantha. Now, coming to the Panchadashi, it has some very unique things. First one we have already seen, one unique point is that it is a seamless co, it's a, it's a seamless, uh, you know, co-authorship of disciple uh, Vidyaranya and who? And uh, Swami Bharati Tirtha Guru. And Swami Vidyaranya also followed the footsteps of the Guru, Swami Bharati Tirtha, by becoming the, by being ordained as the twelfth pontiff of the Sringeri Pitha, uh, Sringeri Mat, 
you know we have four muts all the, that adi shankara established in various parts of uh, you know india east west north south so the you know uh, the southern mut the shringeri mut you know he was the 12th pontiff the 12th shankaracharya of the shringeri mut but very forward looking and uh, you know very brilliant and there was nothing he could not do you know an all rounder you ask him to administer a kingdom he will manage that you ask him to be a sanyasi with vairagya he can manage that simultaneously you ask him to you know work for social justice he will do that you know with uh, with his writings etc and he, nothing was beyond him and you ask him to write and compose original works he can do that and so the panchadashi is a you know is a unique text uh, not only because it is co-authored by the guru and shishya but the second reason it is unique is that somehow the each chapter is a stand alone stand alone chapter you know book so each one is a book actually so we have you know the um, the whole 15 chapters kind of divided into 5 5 and 5 yeah so the first five you know you know first panchaka is called you know viveka panchaka like the chapter we are studying is chapter 4 so it comes under viveka panchaka why is it called viveka panchaka because the titles of all the chapters end in viveka maha tatva viveka maha bhuta viveka panchakosha viveka dvaita viveka and then the middle uh, you know quintet the middle five uh, chapters all end in deepa nataka deepa chitra deepa etc etc and then the last five chapters all end in ananda <laughs> vishayananda yogananda all these things you know so these are the chapters and then uh, you know uh, some uh, commentators i have mentioned that these you know the first five chapters the middle five chapters and the last five chapters correspond to sat chit ananda that's why the chit uh, portion is the longest portion and it all ends in deepa light knowledge chit and then sat existence and then uh, the nature of existence the nature of reality chit the, the you know that which is in the form of all knowledge that lights up itself and lights up everything else without undergoing any change and finally that which is limitless ananda so some people have seen these kind of correspondences that makes it um, even more unique that you know it uh, uh, it it uh, it has the signature of sachidananda within the chapters even as it unfolds this knowledge so very very unique uh, text and then this chapter that we are going to study is also very unique extremely unique you know why because i have not come across this kind of a discussion anywhere you know it is unique because it takes into account uh, you know it's it's a it's a it's a treatise on jeevatvam jeevahood what is jeevahood ishvara with a complex is jeeva that's all it is ishvara with a headache is jeeva but how come ishvara doesn't have a headache because all he is free of all heads that's why that's one way he got ahead so no headache so jeeva is the one you know 
with a big complex shrinking thinking of itself as a shrinking being you know completely helpless and victimized by the world of others people bigger than itself and other things bigger than itself and then coming to grief coming to you know coming to sorrow and then at the same time not being able to accept the grief or the sorrow as its lot and then therefore getting even more tangled in what is called you know its life its miserable life called samsara so this is what the whole thing is and so you know usually vedanta texts what do they do they don't talk about the jiva i mean what is there to talk about the jiva is an idiot finish let's talk about how the jiva is actually ishvara <laughs> you know so let's not talk about dvaita dvaita means this jiva and his sense of his his meaning the word jiva is masculine so the jiva and its sense of alienation from the whole who wants that who wants that sad little you know uh, what is that chorus sad little chorus playing what a miserable jiva this is nobody wants that and the vedanta teachers and the vedanta texts just say you know give that up you know munchata give it up and then just you know come to the light of the truth of yourself that is what is talked about so even though we do what is called tvam pada vichara that tvam is shaken of its jivahood so you say this is not you not you not you anatma 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 and that which is the observer the sakshi is the one that is the, you know a manifestation of the atma so the tvam pada vichara is not looking at the, what the jiva does or why the jiva is so miserable in fact sometimes i used to before i encountered this chapter i used to wish why don't vedanta writers talk about the why the jiva falls into this misery why the jiva is you know subject to fears and why does it do that and lo and behold as though in answer to my prayers you know this this chapter you know i encountered this chapter with great joy and wonderful you know it talks about why the jiva persists in its misery even after gaining this knowledge because this is where swami vidyaranya doesn't buy the spoof that oh i have studied with a teacher so i am a shrotriya and so i have this knowledge but what shochami i am still miserable and he says okay let's look into why this knowledge is not you know entering the heart it has entered the brain you remember all the shlokas pat 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 you can you know you can chant left right and center you remember the notations you remember which chapter you remember who wrote it you remember all the vedanta trivia and this trivia is what is useless if it is not if it is, has not touched your heart and the, in fact the latter half of the chapter as we will see is all talking about how to why has it not touched the heart even after so many years of study and what to do to make it you know uh, touch the heart what to do to do that and that is why this chapter that we are studying is very very unique you know and we didn't begin with chapter 1 doesn't matter some other time we will see that you know 4 is an auspicious number 
soyam atma chatushpat this atma has four as it were quadrants you know waker dreamer sleeper and the one that calls the spoof of the waker dreamer sleeper which is called turiya turiya is not such, you know is not the fourth one it is the only one ah yeah turiya is short for chaturya ha chaturya has become chatur uh, you know has become turiya short form so chaturya means what chaturya also is got a little word play there adept and the one who is tricky so the atma is very tricky it takes on the form of the waker and you know and makes the hankara think uh, you know waker is me i am waker confusion and it takes the form of the sleeper and whatever it encounters it takes on that form leading to a number of misidentifications without really becoming any one thing so this you know that's why the fourth chapter is good <laughs> and then uh, you know because it is all about the atma that is that is very adept at fooling everything you know by taking on the form by morphing it as it were into all the names and forms and then what else and then vedanta is rife with so many things what is it rife with it is rife with uh, the you know uh, uh, foursomes we have anubandha chatushtaya anubandha chatushtaya means how do we judge the work you know we judge the work by who is the audience what is the subject matter vishaya and what is the relationship between the subject matter and its use prayojana and who is the audience adhikari what is the prayojana what is the sambandha what is the vishaya this is all you know what is the relationship between the audience and the book and what is the use of this book and how you know all these things are called anubandha chatushtayam the criteria used to judge a book or a work of vedanta or any work and then we have one other chatushtayam famous one ah sadhana chatushtaya see sadhana chatushtaya sadhana chatushtaya means the fourfold qualifications very good fourfold qualifications and the you know and so the number 4 is uh, is is got an abiding presence in vedanta shastra so i consider it that we are doing a nice thing by you know studying this four things and the, we have an invocation to the entire panchadashi that we will be reciting uh, from tomorrow at the beginning of each chapter and so we will close this talk today by uh, chanting the mangala charana the invocatory verse this is not the invocatory verse to the chapter 4 this is the invocatory verse to the whole panchadashi where he is you know where swami vidyaranya is uh, invoking and saying a prayer uh, for gaining blessings from the guru shankarananda his diksha guru and you know just uh, as an aside the shankarananda is not an ordinary swami omg really you know he wrote one geeta bhashya that even scholars have difficulty understanding but apparently it's very very fine wonderful and he also wrote one uh, big treatise in four volumes culling the message of all the upanishads called atma purana so very you know 
a great stalwart figure in Vedanta. So now we will chant the Mangala Charana and close this chapter, close this talk today. Tomorrow I will take up the Mangala Charana and we will enter the chapter. Namashri Shankarananda Namashri Shankarananda Guru Padambu Janmane Guru Padambu Janmane Savila Samaha Moha Savila Samaha Moha Grahagrasaika Karmane Grahagrasaika Karmane More we will see, uh, you know, what is that? Today evening for you, tomorrow for me. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadagya Purnamivavashishyate Om Shantishantishantihi Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om